When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey, this is John Hammond, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in Five Songs with host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this uh, pretty cool community of uh, music heads over here at Pantheon Podcast Network. Um, we are available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is an episode suggested by Neil Miller. Neil's been really great in sending me ideas. There's probably four or five other ideas that he's kind of fleshed out and given me some cool examples of uh, that might actually happen uh, as episodes. Um, all of them are kind of in the running, and uh, and I picked one of them. Um, so this is uh, episode 119. Uh, we're calling this Reggae in Hard Rock. Um, we try to keep these titles short. You know, I wanted to get history in there, origins, because this really is about the origins of this concept you know obviously as time goes on there's actually even uh something called reggae rock you know that in the new wave era there's there's a uh, ska mixed with punk or ska is actually reggae mixed with uh, punk i suppose a little bit it's sped up um but you know as time goes on there's even um you know almost a full small genre of uh of reggae influenced heavy metal uh later on so this is kind of the origins of all this and quite interestingly i found out that that the origins are very spare uh hard rock and reggae or classic rock and reggae a little more with classic rock and we'll get in, into that in the honorable mentions there's there's a little more reggae there um but this is pretty interesting in that, um, you know, unearthing all the sort of, um, you know, strands to this. There just really aren't that many, uh, examples, uh, in our world, right? Our, our world here on this History and Five Songs podcast is, uh, is loosely speaking kind of a hard rock, classic rock, heavy metal world, right? Um, so anyways, let's, uh, let's move on here. As usual, uh, stick around to the end because when we get into the honorable mentions, um, you know, a lot of this concept is going to be fleshed out even more. Um, but yes, sticking strictly with our world, um, take a listen to this and we shall discuss. This is Led Zeppelin with Jamaica. <laughs> I'll explain that in a second. Here we go. Jamaica.
All right, Led Zeppelin. It's not really Jamaica. It's more like Jermaker, right? Um, you know, and people have have pronounced this dire maker. As a writer, you're always ticked off when you have to type this song because you got to figure out where those apostrophes go. There's one in dire and there's one in maker. Um, but yes, as as the joke kind of goes, oh, I've just taken my wife on holiday holiday to the Caribbean, Jamaica. No, she was happy to come. Ha ha. Um. So, so it's, it's kind of a joke song, uh, from the title. Um, John Paul Jones did not like this song. So this is, this is on, uh, Houses of, Houses of the Holy, uh, the band's, uh, fifth album, March 28th, 1973. And, uh, and it really caused a lot of consternation. Uh, this one always gets kind of butt of the jokes as the worst Led Zeppelin song of all time. It was not well received. Um, it was, it was almost put together as a little bit of a challenge to, um, John Bonham, who couldn't quite get his, you know, wrap his head around a reggae beat. So it's a little bit reggae. It's a little bit doo-wop. It's a little bit 50s all mixed together. Really kind of cool, complicated song. And it's and it's very much a reggae song. Um, and, uh, you know, reggae, just just to sort of describe it a little bit, it's it's uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, the, the main thing about it, obviously, it's a it's a Jamaican music and Bob Marley and uh, and Peter Tosh and all that. Um, but in terms of the construction, it's kind of slow. It could be based, it, uh, you know, there, there could be a strong drumming element, a strong bass element. But the big thing about it is the um, is the big guitar stabs on two and three. So it's one, one, you know, one, jing, jing. I'm um, no sorry two and four um uh the the big the big sort of uh the uh, accent on two and four kind of thing and it's a loping it's a little bit of a shuffle everybody knows what a reggae is and you're certainly going to know what it is uh, after all these examples and especially the honorable mentions I mean you're going to have have reggae in in classic rock and hard rock going through your head for the rest of the day um but no, this is a great example, and I think it's a good one to kick it off um you know interestingly enough um you know, I, I think of songs like Sweet uh, Coco and Papa Joe, where this is a glam band or a pop band, really a pop band at that point, but they're putting in a Calypso uh, influence. Um, so in terms of an actual reggae influence, that's not that, but it is an earlier thing of a band that became a hard rock band, kind of circuitous there, right? Um, but no, I, I really think this kind of kicks this whole debate off, really. Uh, Led Zeppelin with uh, Jamaica or Jamaica, right? Um, okay, so let's move on. Take a listen to this. It's the Pat Travers Band with Crash and Burn. All right, I had to put Pat Travers in here because they're really one of the most insistent bands of all this. I mean, Pat Travers basically starts off as a funky hard rock band, kind of bluesy, a little bit of fog hat to them, a little bit of nascent heavy metal to them. Um, but as they're making their ascendance, you know, they've they've got uh, they've got um, some some pretty cool heavy metal anthems, and then they do heat it heat in, heat in the street. Uh, they've got the White Hot Live album, Go For What You Know Live. So they're they're in this crazy ascendance, 
with this pretty good hard rock. It's an incredible band. Uh, unfortunately, the band uh, is one of these examples that would be ravaged by drugs. And guess what's a drug? Pot, marijuana. Um, and, and so one of the funny stories about the Pat Travers band is... Um, when they kind of adopted this reggae influence, it's sort of said that they were smoking a lot of pot at this time. Um, but the but so the interesting thing that happens is so they've got this ascendance with this good, funky, amazing hard rock sound, kind of a guitar uh, virtuoso and Pat. Um, and and uh, so they get up to this album. It's called Crash and Burn, right? You think this is going to be a blazing heavy metal album uh, out of them. Uh, the, the cover of it is like the surface of the sun. It's one of the hottest looking album covers you could imagine. Um, Crash and Burn is the first song on the album. It's the title track. And what is it? It's an actual pretty laid back, complicated, slightly proggy, reggae song it's a complete reggae song and they wrote it uh and i mentioned that because um in this in, in this insistence of pat travers kind of like making it not not just a one-off like a lot of the stuff's kind of one-offish right um but uh they they actually cover on the same album is this love by bob marley um later they cover new age music and uh, and uh, later still, so that's on Radioactive, later still on Black Pearl, which we did a Contrarians episode and I rated Black Pearl my favorite Pat Travers album. Um, and they do an, a, a magnificent cover of Misty Morning on that. It, it actually turns into one of my favorite Pat Travers songs, believe it or not. A cover of a reggae song by Bob Marley, Misty Morning. Um, so Pat kind of liked this whole thing. And again, you know, the band, this is a band that was quite ravaged by drugs. Um, it's kind of one of the great, uh, you know, sort of um, it's growing uh, in because I keep talking about it all the time and other people, but it's growing in, in sort of stature as this, uh, as this band that, uh, that was one of the greatest bands of all time. And then kind of like disintegrated because they were all doing too much drugs. we got Tommy Aldridge in there, Mars Cowling, Pat Thrall and Pat Travers, right? Um, all right, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. All right, back again here, episode 119, Reggae in Hard Rock, as suggested by the great Neil Miller. Um, take a listen to this and we'll discuss this is Rush with Between the Wheels. All right, so this is the last song on Grace Under Pressure. And what I like about this is that it's a reggae song. It's kind of proggy, um, but the um, the guitar stabs, the the chicka chicka chicken chicken scratch, and then jing jing on two and four one, ching, 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 ching right? Um, 
it's actually performed by synthesizer, Getty Leon synthesizer. Um, and I had to put Rush in here for sure because um, Rush is probably our very greatest example of a, of a hard rock band uh, that really actually uh, quite often explored reggae. Now, now the reason they did it is is because, well, they're, they're all kind of enthusiastic uh, uh, students of new music kind of thing. And it's not reggae that they're into at this point. It's it's more like they're looking at at various forms of new wave and they're seeing ska and two-tone and all that. But but more so than anything, um, it's it's sort of looking at and liking and admiring what the police are doing. So you get Alex Lifeson playing very much like Andy Summers quite often. Yeah, the bass lines too. But the main thing is uh, is Neil Peart uh, being quite interested in what Stuart Copeland is doing as a drummer. He's a he's a very uh, unique, um, distinct signature sound. He's got this this high tuned snare, but the main thing is he's got this very busy hi hat thing where a lot of it seems independent of what else is going on. Uh, and this is a band that de definitely adopted a lot of reggae into their sound. Um, but so so the, the main influence on Rush, uh, you know, a very white Canadian band from a, you know, very white country, Canada, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like, uh, you know, underscoring the whiteness in that they're getting it from white reggae, right? They're getting it from police who's, who's you know, one, one step derived kind of thing as well. Um, interesting. They're both, they're both trios as well, right? Um, so, you know, this idea of uh, reggae is kind of an interesting thing with trios. I never, never kind of thought about this, but uh, you know, the drums can be heard very clearly. The bass lines can do some interesting things. And then the guitars uh, aren't wedded to riff really. Um, in reggae, uh, guitar is more like a conversational instrument and a rhythm instrument, but it's not very much, uh, you know, it, there, there's not much riffing going on in reggae, right? Um, but no, had to play Rush because also from the from the same album you get uh, the Enemy Within, you get Distant Early Warning, Red Sector A a little bit. So there's there's quite a bit of uh, touching upon reggae on this record, and then of course uh, other famous examples um, from Signals, the previous album. You've got Digital Man and New World Man, the two man songs. So there's some reggae in there, and then uh, famously even before that, going all the way back to the 70s, 1979 into 1980, off of permanent waves you've got the spirit of radio there's a reggae kind of breakdown in that right um all right let's move on to our fourth example and we'll discuss take a listen to this this is thin lizzie with half cast i got a girl up near richmond way the daddy don't like me to leave the girl astray the brown boy is born to serve you see a different day in the big snow. No joke. Big snow. I like it. All right, so we're kind of into the one-off uh, thing here, but I thought I wanted, I, you know, I wanted to mention Thin Lizzy for a couple reasons. Obviously, you've got Phil Lynott, this, this uh, you know, tall, lanky, black Irishman, right? So you've got black heritage in here. And uh, and across Thin Lizzy, you do get some influence of the blues and you do get some influence from funk. So Phil's bringing that stuff in as a heritage thing. Um, but this is an interesting example of a, of a true blue reggae, uh, Thin Lizzy trying in a reggae. Now, the other thing about Thin Lizzy is even though, like, you know, one of the great bands of all time, um, but... 
they they always you know even though they had a lot of variety to what they did um they kind of drew the line at certain places um you know there there isn't a lot put it this way there isn't a lot of reggae in in thin lizzy music and this is really kind of the the main example if someone can think of something else let me know um but so this was the b-side to rosalie uh may of 1975 so the fighting album um this isn't on fighting uh but this was a b-side and it's always been one of those famous uh you know nicely finished there's lots of them but but thin lizzie songs that didn't show up on on albums not nicely finished there's not tons and tons of them but there's a lot in various stages of undress of, of thin lizzie songs you can listen to you know Maybe I I would say three or four albums worth of non uh, non album tracks from Thin Lizzy in in various stages. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty interesting one, and I wanted to mention it also because uh, on on Phil Lynott's first solo album, Solo in Soho, the title track is definitely, definitely, definitely a full on reggae on that. And then there's uh there's some calypso influence on that album as well with Jamaican rum and some other black styles. There's some there's some funk. There's some blues. There's some boogie rock uh, here and there. So, uh, so so in Phil's on Phil's albums, he 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 moved a little more into various uh, you know black forms of music, I suppose. Um, and that and that's the whole idea of uh, you know the the stated idea in most cases with solo albums is on solo albums you're you're you know that's where you stretch out a little bit a little bit more but uh, yeah Thin Lizzy held it a little bit closer to okay these are the trademark kind of things we do and so there's not a lot of reggae and stuff so uh, all right let's move on to our last example take a listen to this this is Scorpions as soon as the good times roll. All right, I, I definitely wanted to put Scorpions here in here and pay homage. Uh, you know, Scorpions didn't do a lot of reggae. I mean, you know, you you absolute Scorpions, um, you know, fanatics. You can tell me if past, uh, where would we say past? Say Savage Amusement, Crazy World, all those albums moving forward. I'm sure there's a reggae or two in there, um, or I, you know, likely. I don't know. It seems like something they would do is is do it again because it was kind of successful, but. What I love about this song is that this is almost my favorite example of a hard rock reggae. Um, and uh, and it's one of the most creative songs on Love at First Sting. I always thought Love at First Sting was not a very creative album. It was a letdown after Blackout. Um, I love Rock You Like a Hurricane. I think that's a really creative, hard rock, heavy metal song. Well put together, strange, arcane, obscure. Uh, and there's some fast ones on there. You know, there's some good stuff, but there's also some, some real dumbing down. Uh, what I loved about this song is it was it's, it's a pretty cool, creative thing to do. Um, and it's done with that huge Dieter Dierks production and and big you know distorted guitars um so i thought this is a really really great example of a of a hard rock um reggae as soon as the good times roll now this is not the first time they did this they actually did this on back on the love drive album 1979 they did uh is there anybody there which is actually a reggae song which uh, you know surprised a lot of people as well it, it stands out like a sore thumb on that album that's a pretty heavy album right pretty pretty standard teutonic hard rock slash heavy metal album um so it's kind of cool they've got these two 
decent early examples. Uh, and one of them, I think, is a superlative early example of uh, of reggae uh, in hard rock. So so there you go. That's really all there is. Um, there, there's not a lot that that I can point to as as actual uh, hard rock heavy metal guys um, interfacing with reggae. It's it's really two styles that don't go together uh, all that well. Um, unless you're and you, unless you're willing, like Rush, to to move away from from essentially being defined as a as a hard rock band. Now, in terms of honorable mentions, um, there's actually lots when you when you move into the wider hard rock. Uh, one one I almost put in here, but I, I almost left out as a as a um, as a protest is because everybody always thinks of Judas Priest, the Rage, off of British Steel, right? Um, because there is this odd, weird uh, reggae. Um, intro to it where it kind of lopes into being and then it turns into a standard you know slow hard rock heavy metal song and then that reggae thing comes back later but Judas Priest it it, it just seemed like a strange accidental thing oh let's put this in it's kind of cool that they did it right because everybody talks about it right I mean everybody talks about reggae and heavy metal oh yeah Judas Priest the Rage right um so uh so definitely uh, that's an honorable mention another funny one uh you know related to the the rush thing max webster on their live album suck a little silly song on there called sarnia town reggae um but no max Reb webster didn't really do reggae either zappa frank zappa has a lot of a relationship with reggae i can't think of the songs off off the top of my head but i can picture a lot i think tinseltown rebellion um and then possibly uh, there's definitely a song on uh i guess it's the first joe's garage maybe it's the second one but you know Frank Zappa does it because um he will he will he will want to bring in and parody slash treat seriously whatever every single musical style there is so so reggae definitely had to come in at some point that's what it feels like to me uh you know certainly early on as well you get things like eric clapton i shot the sheriff uh rolling stones uh you know are good for quite a few reggaes but early on there's luxury hey negrita um so so they were they were kind of uh into this music and doing it as well and again you know a lot of it has to do with well, okay, put it this way. A lot of it has to do with smoke and pot, but a lot of it also has to do with when these bands actually go to Jamaica and have a good time and smoke pot down there, right? Um, and so Rolling Stones kind of come, comes to it that way. The other thing I forgot to mention that I should mention here is that um, a lot of it comes a third way, which is which is uh, there was a huge, huge reggae influence on these English rockers, uh, because there was quite a a Jamaican immigration into uh, into um, into the UK. Um, so so starting in kind of the late 60s, early 70s, there was actually quite a lot, quite a vibrant reggae community. And uh, and so when you're talking about any of these English guys, um, they also have that in their past uh, to go with as well. So going to Jamaica, being English, smoking pot. Um, let's see what else. Uh, uh, early, okay, so so when you move into when you move into the um, the kind of new wave world, uh, you definitely have uh, a lot of the police, like we mentioned, walking on the moon, Roxanne, I can't stand losing you, um, uh, Joe Jackson, Sunday Papers, Graham Parker, Howlin' Wind, um, the Slits, uh, kind of an obscure female post punk band, but they definitely put a lot of this in, and now you're getting into um, dub dub reggae ska kind of all mixing together um i'll get to it don't worry the clash i know um grateful dead estimated profit really funny one i wanted to mention before we move on back to our hard rock world i always knew in the back of my mind there's there's a crocus song that sounds like this right and it's tokyo nights and the funny thing is tokyo nights is almost a combination of 
of a Japanese feel with reggae and and it's also a little bit straightened out as well so it's a little bit standard hard rock but the funny thing is Tokyo Nights is almost reprised and kind of redone again and retitled uh, uh, Say Goodbye on the Change of Address uh, album so you've got Tokyo Nights as an early song and then Say Goodbye is kind of the same thing all over again but it does have the uh, the chicka gene gene you know the reggae the reggae guitar uh signature thing so i thought that was kind of a funny one um and then that one also reminds me them being swish swiss it it almost reminds me of uh did they get this a little bit from scorpions with uh is is uh anybody there right is there anybody there um all right clash is a super important one of course uh Let's see. I mean, they they covered a lot of reggae songs. Police and Thieves, Pressure Drop, Toots and the May- Maytals, Revolution Rock, Jackie Edwards, Danny Ray, um, Police on My Back, which is not a reggae song, but that's, uh, you know, the equals. Um, and then Guns of Brixton, Rudy Can't Fail, Washington Bullets. My favorite, you know, one of my top favorite Clash songs, White White Man and Hammersmith Palais. So they're, so they're one of the first influential bands really bringing reggae into punk. Um and then, and then, like I said, we get the whole two tone thing, and we get we get madness and the specials and all that kind of stuff as well, right? Um, but what else by them? Um, and cool confusion, Junko partner, uh, the whole the whole EP, the WP, you know. And then, and then you get a Clash influence go all the way over to Vancouver and and a post punk new wave band, call it new wave band. The Paolas had a big hit with Eyes of a Stranger. Um, going back again to the to the classic rock era, War with Why Can't We Be Friends, um, back into new wave. So, so in the new wave scene in in the UK, you also had kind of. Uh, kind of the more traditional pub rock thing coming up and that results in kind of new wave bands that are that are again very traditional but have have used a bit of this as well i mentioned joe jackson but elvis costello with watching the detectives i don't want to go to chelsea um you know i saw mentioned things like the beatles i call your name and obla obla di um again back into the new wave thing um this is almost a hard rock one, but um, it's early too. Stranglers with Peaches. Um, that's almost like a hard rock slash heavy metal, um, certainly a Lemmy bass thing. Uh, but um, but Peaches, big, huge early Strangler song is uh, is definitely a uh, a bit of a reggae feel. And then of course huge hits like a Pass the Duchy, um, UB40 with Red Red Wine. Red Red Wine is is a straight is a straight reggae song it's it's not even ska really it's not ska it's not particularly two-tone or any of that stuff it's it's basically straight reggae um so yeah so there you go um that is our uh, that is our look at at um reggae and hard rock and there's really not a lot um i also wanted to mention um you know a few things on our last episode this is getting to be a little bit of a tradition but uh the last episode 118 was uh hair metals twilight years uh joe becht writes great episode i agree 100 on love hate wasting america is in my top 10 of all time i remember at the time when jizzy was crucified on the hollywood sign it was said that they never made it because they were too heavy for hair metal fans and too la hair metal for the thrash and grunge fans pretty interesting analysis there uh joe uh steve bellow writes uh Glad Extreme was mentioned, especially the Three Sides album, as I feel that there that was their best. Bang Tango could be thrown in here, absolutely, with either either Dancing on Coals or Love and Death. Uh, right, Love and Death um, is mentioned as well. Sk- uh, Skid Row with Subhuman Race. That's more 
That's more later, and that goes more to the hair metal gone grunge episode, I suppose. Uh, Steve Deluxe writes, Jackal and Ugly Kid Joe did pretty well in the hair metal's Twilight years. What probably helped them was the fact that they didn't take themselves too seriously. That's pretty interesting, too. Um, it's true. If if you, you could almost be a slight parody of hair metal into that 92-93 thing, and that will give you a little bit of uh, uh, cachet to get away with it, right? Tongue in cheek, don't take it too seriously. Ugly Kid Joe was your was your self-deprecating, you know, kind of Dennis the Menace band, Jackal. Um, you know, Jesse James Dupree had the big uh, you know, the the, the chainsaw shtick going right. Paul Houghton writes War Babies. That's a really good one. Um, definitely a great suggestion. So this is Brad Sinsel's uh, you know, 1992, you know, tough, dirty hair metal kind of album, but it's a post thing, you know, and possibly they had a little chance of getting in on that Seattle thing and being a little bit of a blur the lines thing, a little bit like a mother love bone, right? Um Colston Veer writes, big fan of Love Hate. I pretty much kicked uh, most of hair metal from my rotation, apart from what you term dirty hair metal and Kiss an Exception. This episode made me think it deserves revisiting. I did love it at the time very much. Don Chaldian writes, I learned one important thing from this episode. The singer from Love Hate sounds like a combination of Axl Rose in dire need of a laxative with the added displeasure of something akin to a rat scratching on a tin pan. To be nice, I will say the music... Uh, much better than the singing. Still a good and informative episode. Thanks for the show. I'm glad you get to talk about things that make you happy, even if I hate them. Yeah, Jizzy's voice. I mean, I, I have heard that before. I just love it. Um, I, th I thought he had a really cool look at the time, too. That kind of Jim Morrison thing with the, the dark, um, you know, the long hair. Um, Tegan Jane, Kaya Garcia, Evans writes, great episode. Martin's books were instrumental in getting me hooked on Love Hate. I remember when the band just up and released all their music online in the early uh, 2000s. That was actually a huge deal for me. I got to really connect with the band pretty deeply, having their entire discography at the time. Other great late period hair metal bands, Shotgun Messiah, Second Coming and Violent New Breed. Great album, Heartbreak. Uh, Boulevard is probably one of my favorite hair metal anthems of all time. Violent New Breed is so interesting. Industrial hair metal crossover, absolutely maybe the only one, question mark. Yeah, kind of kind of true. Um, you know, uh, Wasp tried that. Danzig tried that a little bit. Might might have an episode there. Um, fair warning, self-titled, solid late period hair metal, no frills, good songs. Taiketo, good, good choice. Don't Come Easy and Strength in Numbers. Don't Come Easy's vocalist, Danny Vaughn, has great pipes. He was also in Wasted. Praying Mantis, their entire 90s output, not exactly hair metal, but AOR hair metal adjacent. Yeah, a little bit Magnumish, uh, maybe in there as well. I don't know. Um, they had a couple excellent live albums with fun guest stars. Live at Last had Paul Diano's uh, on vocals. I was never a big praying mantis guy. Danger, Danger, Screw It and Cockroach. Great AOR with great vocals. I used to hate this band until it clicked someday. Um, interesting choice. A lot of people love uh, this band. Um, they also embraced every square on hair metal bingo as their hilarious choice for perhaps the most stereotypical hair metal band. Fire, Firehouse, Firehouse and Hold Your Fire and Three. Martin hated these guys. Absolutely, I did. Um, but I think these albums sound really good and and uh, yeah, they're a band that just absolutely stuck to their guns and and kept doing this. Uh, somebody was buying Firehouse albums in 1995. While this is another band I really expected to like less, but these albums honestly slap. I have no shame. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, there you go. 
If you like this episode and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi. Rhymes with no fee, apparently at Kofi.com uh, slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button, buy me a coffee or a pint. On that front this week, I would like to thank Joe Becht, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Bruce Campbell, Lee Clifford, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Darren Kasaboski, Jamie Laszlo, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, and Matthew Thompson. Thank you very much. Um, obviously, martinpopoff.com. For the books, uh, I swear it, it seems almost like it's going to happen. It's a mirage, but I should get my shipment uh, from the UK maybe by the end of this week. I'm hoping, fingers crossed. In that, I'll have the Yes Visual History, the Nazareth Visual History, uh, the restock of the Black Sabbath Born Again, the restock of the Bluish Cult Agents of Fortune. Both of those have been out for a little while. A few other things I might have run out of. Um, and I still do have um, reprints of The Merciful Fate. I don't think I'm going to be reprinting this anytime soon, but I've got about 40 copies left of that. The Van Halen Unchained is gone. Other things coming down the pipes. There you go, martinpopoff.com. Um, go play some of this stuff. There ain't much of it. It ain't going to take you long. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.